My name is Peter Barron, and on behalf of the Sarish Radio and FreakyTrigger.co.uk, I'd like to welcome you to the new series of the Lost Property Office. Back with a newly replenished office of lost items, remarkable in their diversity and particularly their quantity. We've recently lost 2012 to the annals of time, but found a whole new year in which I'm sure even more things will be misplaced. After all, the year is now a teenager. If you've lost anything, this show is for you. After all, we may have found it. We all lose stuff. In a time we've been off air, the BBC have lost a director general, a load of senior staff, and any kind of moral high ground or public goodwill they gained from the Olympics. Careless, you might say. Inevitable, others might point out. It's a cycle of British public life. I cannot help them with that, but I can help other so-called losers. Because in the Lost Property Office, I'll be guiding a guest to go through the items they've lost and found, and hoping to distract them with some new items. Because this is not just a fake podcast, Lost Property Office, in the way that, say, Kirsty Young is not actually on a desert island. This is a real university lost and found. I've invited my guests to have a rummage and see what they can find in the Aladdin's Cave of the Abandoned. Who knows, the rightful owner may be listening and can come and pick it up. So welcome to this week's intrepid lost property, Mark Morris. Afternoon, Pete. Um, so you've been down to the office. You've, you're the first person in the series that you've got the fresh new office replenished with um, a term's worth of tat. Um, what did you think of it? Um, I was amazed about quite how much stuff people have lost, including things that you think you can't actually do without, like their car keys. I can't believe how many car keys there are in there. Yeah, no, that, that's quite amazing. And um, my favourite item down there at the moment is a very large duvet, which may well be left over from a um, recent occupation. This is SOAS, after all, but nevertheless, it's like you think, that just sits there and think that someone's missing that. Someone's going cold at night without that duvet. I could pass it over to a homeless person outside, I guess. So anyway, um, you've heard the show before, and you were quite keen to come on because you've got some interesting tales of lost items. Um, so the first question is my uh, is about the items you've lost. Um, you've also picked some stuff up there we'll be talking about later. But um, I suppose the first question I always ask is, what have you lost? And normally of the greatest personal or monetary value? Um, yeah, um, I lose quite a lot of stuff, I think, possibly more than most people. Uh, but what's interesting, or what seems interesting to me, is that I get a loss of it back. Right, oh, that's quite good. Um, it's incredibly lucky. I'm not sure that I deserve the luck. I'm not <laughs> sure the luck will go on, especially after I've talked about it, although yeah, I'm not that superstitious. No, but, once it's out in the open, though. Um. Um, and the most spectacular example of this, I mean, I've lost phones, I've lost DVDs, all sorts of things got them back. Um in 1998, uh, we went on holiday to Cuba. Right. And certainly in those days, when you went to Cuba, you needed to take cash. Yeah. You know, you weren't going to get very f- find many places that could do traveller's checks. The idea of actually paying with a credit card was... Just couldn't happen in no, Cuba then. No, that's, that, that wasn't going to... So you needed to take a lot of cash, basically. Although, obviously, things are very cheap there. You still, you know... Yeah. So I had a thousand dollars. Thousand US dollars. A thousand US dollars. Did you have a money belt? I didn't have a money belt. <laughs> I was about to say you didn't strike me as the kind of person who would go stoop that low. But it because it would be quite secure a money belt. A money belt would have been the sensible option and might well have been the option I would have taken later in life. What I decided to do was mm. to carry the money in my boot. Yeah, I know that's that's quite a common suggestion. It is, and it's actually perfectly sensible if you take the right approach, which Mm. is to have it in a plastic bag, and that plastic bag goes inside your sock Mm -hmm. and under your foot. 
Right, yes. And I think I possibly did that on the early days of the trip. But it means the, the, the boot's going to be quite tight, I'm guessing. Particularly, particularly a thousand pound, 500 in each boot or a thousand in one? A thousand in one. <laughs> so you're walking with a bit of a peg leg anyway. At exactly. That point. Um, so these are a pair of, um, these are a pair of black DM soles vegetarian Chelsea boots. Of course, boots. of course. Um, with the elasticy bit on the side. So for some bizarre reason, on the morning that we left Havana to go down to Trinidad on the south coast, mm-hmm. I put the money not, as I said, I don't remember doing this, but I've worked this out, not in the sock, under my foot, but just down the side of the elasticated bit. Right, so just tucked in the side, really, as you so, might do in, say, your back pocket. Yes. Was it was it protruding a touch, perhaps? Possibly protruding a touch. Or would it at least may have worked its way up as you walked? Um, I don't know, but I I don't think it needed to, to work its way up very far because as it turned out, as I didn't realise at the time, it must have come out in the vicinity of the hotel that right. we were staying at. So within... 10 yards probably of actually leaving the premises so i didn't realize this at the time obviously and so we went down to we drove down to trinidad on the south coast which took us a couple of days got lost in the uh, lack of signage Mm. in cuba um and Somewhere along the way, I realised I didn't have the money. Right. So, and the, can you describe the sensations? One of my favourite things is the sensation <laughs> when you realise you've lost something very valuable. Um, is a horrible sensation. It's a, yes, a extraordinary sensation. Obviously, we were already on what was, by I think by at that point, by far the most expensive holiday that mm. I'd paid for myself as an adult. Um, and I'd had to be sort of... Pers- well, heavily persuaded into into doing that, into spending that much money. I'm famously adverse to spending money, and um, and that having that much cash on you as well must have initially been a bit of a yeah, total yeah. I've been obsessed with it the whole way along, and so yes, this awful feeling of just thinking that's that's it. The holiday's over. You're, the holiday, you're spoiled. In yeah, fact, exactly. not, and not even that. It's like you're not even sure how you'll be able to get by for the next few days. You've got presumably flights to go back and so on, but you've got no easy way of getting hold of money without perhaps involving consulates. And Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, we were travelling with quite a lot of people, so we would have been able to get through, but obviously, we, yeah, we would have had to share out the, share yeah. out the pain, as it were. So they, they would have had to be on a tight budget. They wouldn't have ended up buying the boxes of cigars or whatever you bought for people and and it would have all been your fault and it would have all been my fault absolutely and there was already a lot of it was a family not parents but siblings and in-laws and stuff and there was already a lot of recrimination the the holiday ended up anyway in a huge screaming (laughs) row about the significance of the death of princess diana Okay. Yes. All right. Was that did that happen while you were there, or was it just it lingered afterwards? It was no. I mean, the princess. Oh, died seven, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, she yeah, died so. over a year ago. So that we it did were... take a while for a lot of us to process <laughs> it, though. Obviously, some people were still pretty hung up on it. Um, anyway, so so I thinking there might have been some way that I'd left this money in the hotel room, right? Which seemed to be the only logical kind of thing of it at that point 
and I don't think I'd quite admitted to my sisters exactly where I was carrying the money on the faithful day. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, so we rang up, and they said, oh, um, how, what were the denominations of the bills? Mm-hmm. Where were you carrying it? Where do you think you lost it? And I said, in the room. And they said, well, that's interesting. And they said, maybe, you know, could you tell us more about it? So I told them more about it. And eventually, and they let, they strung this out for quite a long time. Eventually they said, well, one of our employees found a similar similar sum of money in a similar kind of container outside the hotel. Mm. And at that point I said, well, I might have been carrying Foolishly it. Foolishly in a weird way, yeah. <laughs> weird way, having it strangely, very loosely, by the elastic bit of a Chelsea boot. Mm. Um, and so they said... You know, when you come in, when you come back to Havana, come to see us and we'll see whether it is your money. Mm. Um, so the rest of the holiday, therefore, went better than... Yeah, though there's still the, that's hanging over you. You're not sure where or not you're that's going to happen. You're not sure. It's, it's very much in the lap of the gods of some people in a very poor country. Um, exactly. And and I've got to stress, $1,000 in Cuba, even now, would yeah. be an astonishing sum. At the time, it would have been easily probably twice the annual income of most people. Yeah. Um, easily. Um, and so anyway, so we go back to Havana and we go and see the hotel manager. And the hotel manager basically establishes, not doesn't overplay it out, doesn't do the kind of Poirot thing <laughs> with it, but uh, says basically, yeah, we think you've got your money. And says... You can have it back, mm. essentially, as long as you promise when you get back to the UK mm. to let everybody know as publicly as possible <laughs> about the honesty of the socialist people wow. of Cuba, who are the kind of people that faced with twice their annual wage... We'll still hand it in and we'll give it still back. We'll still hand in $1,000, mm. possibly not kind of playing on the fact that what I imagine would have happened was this poor guy was so terrified about what might have happened to him if he'd been found with that amount of money. That, you know, it's that classic thing of that amount of money would have just ended up going from being this great kind of bonanza to destroying everyone, you know. It's like like winning the lottery, but even worse, because there's something tainted about it. It's not not even honestly gained. Yeah, uh, and you will just feel scared yeah. for the rest of your life well hopefully we can, we can this story is now going to flutter i mean obviously we don't get the largest listenership in the world but we do have you know there are people around the world listening um and and cuba hasn't changed that much i mean they've got a new leader and but he's from the same family he is. so you know in that respect things haven't changed that much and yeah no i had a, a similar situation when i was in vietnam actually but much smaller amounts of money but very similar in the hotel again handed in straight back to me and actually it happens here sometimes i do get money handed in here and then it's you do do the um so what was it you know what what exactly what denominations was it we you know uh, it was five pounds uh 30 pounds you know whereabouts you loved it and then you give it back to them again wonderful waves of gratitude even for 35 pound which again is a lot of money for a student so 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 you you, things get found for you a lot then you say things get found for me a lot yes is it is because when you you think you lose them in such a obvious way that people can find them in obvious way or 
Are you also quite good at putting ways of getting in touch with you on the things you lose because no, of that? So no, no, I don't do that. You don't at label all. your clothes. I'm not saying you lose your clothes, but you don't label your clothes. I've lost clothes. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely not kind of a sort of a careful sort of provider of ways to, for things yeah. to find. I think just, I think, I don't know. Some of it's just stuff that people don't want to nick for a long time. Right. I, I used to have a, you know, I used to, have a series of really knackered Nokia phones, mm. for instance. Some of it I don't, you know, I can't explain. I've got a, I've got an umbrella that I've had for fifteen years. That's not possible. That's that, not that possible. Is, and and obviously I haven't had it in my possession. No, you've lost it a number years. of times. I've lost it a number of times. But nobody wants a large Muji umbrella from. Not the late nineties. I suppose I'm, I'm sure these days it's probably a collector's item. Um, particularly now, it's been been on radio. So, do you find things? Um, I mean, is it? Is it I mean, because um, some of the people I've had on here before is that they're one of the reasons why they're relatively laissez-faire with their own stuff is they tend to find other stuff and it just replaces it. So, you know, not so much lighters and pens, but you know, <laughs> they'll they'll lose a wallet and oh, they find a new wallet and they'll use that wallet and not the cards in it. That doesn't work. No, I mean, obviously. <clears throat> You do, I, you do find that. I think, especially in London, one finds stuff. Mm. Um, you know, especially stuff that people have deliberately discarded. It's a great place for finding. That's true. You know, uh, books. I found some amazing books, um, books from the nineteen fifties and so on that I would have spent, you know, months searching for in second-hand bookshops. You just find in big piles out outside of people's houses in Notting Hill, West mm. London. I think is very rich for. Uh, um, they're very careless in West London. Very care- um, various uh, various albums which had sold off in the um, in the early nineties and then regretted, do- including De La Soul is dead. Oh, really? Um, I I didn't find, but my sister found in a big pile in um, in Queens Park and passed on to me. Well, that's that's that, that's quite so Let's let's put that as your item. De La Soul is dead, <laughs> which of course at the time was cl- critically underrated, and I think now. Is is due a reevaluation? Yeah, um, I think it's quite top an album. album. I quite top like album. it. Um, and talking of albums, um, you've been down, and um, yet again, some people have left CDs lying around. I'm really worried about doing this in five years' time, and CDs won't exist at all, or maybe more will be discarded. But um, can you describe to me the CD you have there? Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> the artist appears to be called, uh, and I won't get the uh, called Derin Varana. Um, and he is a gentleman in his 40s, I would say. And he's slightly loosely wearing a uh, black jacket, a sort of carefully flung um, scarf, which might be silk, possibly mm-hmm. silk. Slightly what, creepy. What, what nationality do you think? Creepy or creepy? Or, or both? <laughs> creepy. <laughs> right. Um, what nationality do you think he may be? Um, I'm thinking Turkish. Yeah. Okay, well, do you want to pass yeah. it over and I'll see um, what Derek... Oh, you're right about that that scarf, yeah. It's uh, very, very loose. Um, so I'm going to start with track one, which is called uh, Daglar. Um, there isn't much more on here apart from oh there is at the end though there is a track the album's called Verana oh no oh, is, maybe his name's Der- Derin and the album's called Verana no, no that's pro- probably right because there yeah. is a track at the end called Verana which is a remix as well as Verana and Verana remix no so, no well that's all, but then his name is it's just, just Derin. Derin yeah as in as in spelled the same as uh, Derin Brown um, yes, so let's see what the magic is here um, 
Okay, so this is this is track one of Derin's album Verona, I think. Um, if the CD. <laughs> Okay, so that's Darren. I think we're going to talk over him because uh, he seems to enjoy the sound of his own voice. Um, so I'm just saying now to Mark, um, I, I don't really like his voice, um, but I do like the bazooki. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, so. uh, do you know much about Turkish music? I know nothing about you have, it. You have no Turks in your uh, in your family or uh, no. Or in, or in, no. Because um, your your background, you're Spanish, or you're um, I'm half Spanish. Half Spanish, so yeah. hence actually the the Cuban thing probably wouldn't work so well if your Spanish wasn't up to snuff. No, um, I can't remember actually whether <clears throat> all these conversations happened in English or Spanish. Right. I suspect maybe English, but yeah, I mean we certainly certainly the kind of general looking for the money process was obviously made easier by the fact that we spoke Spanish yes yeah so anyway, um, next question this may this may be something that um, your travels may help or not help in is about a time when you've actually been physically lost yourself yeah um, okay, do you get lost a lot I don't get lost a lot um, I pride myself in being pretty good at having a good sense of direction however that does make me slightly stubborn and especially in the days I, I think probably better now in the days of iPhones and so on but <clears throat> you know I'm often very determined that I know where I'm going and I have a, a sort of policy of if you set off don't ask people for directions just keep going and you will find some kind of landmark that sounds the, like that sounds like the right way of navigating it certainly reminds me of my, how I do it um and kind of the most famous story of this um, 
was, I think I was about 13. And we were living in Mexico, Mexico City. Mm. Which I've, I've been to as well and is can be quite a confusing place, certainly a very busy place. It is a very busy place. It can be, some of it is incredibly confusing. Where, where, I, where we lived, wasn't really very confusing. It was on it was on a grid system, um, and so the story, as far as I remember it, um, there are di- sort of slightly different family versions. But the, the story, as far as I remember it, is that I'd gone to um, the nearest big department store, right. which is called Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, um, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, it dated back to the nineteenth century when. Most of the goods in the stores would have actually come From via Liverpool. Liverpool Makes sense, if, yeah. yeah. So I'd gone to Liverpool, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I had a look on the map this morning. Um, it was a, it's about thirteen blocks away, so not an extraordinary distance, but it was on the basically that was the borders of our area. Yeah, the bits you knew, the bits. Yeah, I kind of that that makes it in a sense. I'd, I'd like to say that for the sake of adventure, but actually, you know, we we got around, but it was just certainly as far as I would have considered walking. Right. Because um, the subway is very good in, and, you know, the, the metro is very good in Mexico City as well, so... Yeah, we didn't, as living on kids, <laughs> we didn't go. I, I think they were still building a lot right, of it okay. at that point, and we certainly, we didn't go yeah. as kids on the metro. So basically it was, you know, our world was either, essentially, as far as you could walk... Or ride a bike, and then either school bus distance, or you know, as far as you could persuade your parents to drive you. Right, that's the sort of much like most children in that respect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not you know, um, but anyway. So I'd walked, I'd walked to Liverpool, um, and doesn't get old, that does it? <laughs> that, um, and for some reason, and I can't. I'm, but actually, this happens a lot in department stores. I left by the wrong entrance. And hadn't realised that I'd left by the wrong entrance. So, so, so rather than heading back west, which is what I should have been doing, I was heading south. I was right. heading pretty much due south. And I didn't realise this. And you're on a grid system, so everything looks pretty much the yeah, same. you know, and, um, and so and after a while, uh, for some reason, and, and again, I've had a look... And I don't think I was kind of zigzagging a lot, but it just never occurred to me to turn around <laughs> and go back. No, well, no, that would be admitting defeat. Yeah, I, 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 yes, I can't quite fathom it. But so I kept going and kept going for, again, I've had a look. I think it's about a kilometre and a half, so right. not an outrageous distance, but a certain distance. And... Fortunately, in this case, my sort of basic theories of things worked in that what this brought me onto was actually one of the most famous parts of Mexico City. There's a hotel, or certainly was then, a, a high-rise hotel called the Hotel Presidente Chapultepec, and just beyond that, there's the National Anthropology Museum, oh, which wonderful is museum, yes. an incredible museum. Yes, really, one of, one of the best one museums of, I've ever been to. Yes, one of the great. And next to that, the Museo Tamayo, which is a famous art museum, and beyond that, Chapultepec Park, which is Mexico City's equivalent to Central yeah. Park. So you knew where you were at that. So point. I absolutely knew where I was, 
I I couldn't, yes, I couldn't not know where I was yeah. at that point. And I think then I kind of, then I had a notion of which direction home was from there. Mm. So I essentially, I think, as far as I understand it, I did a large triangle. Right. Which in the end would have been about five kilometers yeah. i think or something you got good exercise and you were young so exactly you know it probably you know so was there ever a point where you felt you were lost or did you actually were you, were you kind of going i know if i keep going i'll probably get there um, well, yeah. i i think i was fairly confident it was un, you know i had yeah i had a lot of faith in myself i think i've been kind of yeah more more thrown in places like Highgate, mm. where I tend to get lost. I, I found certainly find Highgate a lot. Again, the you know as I said, partly you know these were these were actually straight roads. I say, and grids are easy because once you're on a grid, exactly, yeah, it's easy to work out. At least if you if you if you know what went wrong, yeah. But of course, but, without ever retracing your steps, if you can help it, because that would be an omission of defeat. That would be wrong. That would be terrible. <laughs> okay, we need to get on to uh, the items you found downstairs. So you've got uh, a. What, what appears to be a couple of books and um, oh no, that's oh mine. that's yours. <laughs> Sorry, a book and um, something sparkly. Um, should we start with the sparkly? The thing? Sparkly thing, yes. Yeah. The sparkly thing I thought might be a makeup bag. Right. Um, it was probably designed as a makeup bag, mm-hmm. possibly, um, but it is in fact um, a pencil case. Students lose a lot of pencil. I, I, did you have a pencil case when no, you were... No, you see, this is what I was thinking about. I, I may have had a pencil mm. case at some point. At school, yes, I had a pencil case. At school. But broadly, I've, as far as, as long as I can remember, kind of, I've been not a pencil case. But yeah. I, I am a, a person, pretty much, I always carry one or two black bics yeah i've got one pocket. in my hand now that's what i carry on me and um and it will go i'll lose it and then i'll get another one exactly i i yes i have at various points several hundred bics or bic equivalents that are have come from the ipc um cupboards at some point this this might be the cause of the current financial crisis in time warner i don't think it is i think there are other things that might be might be more important than but every little helps i'm surely yeah um so and would you say that these pens are probably strewn in a sort of hansel and gretel-esque tale through your through your life from your house to where you work and yes all the places you go that yeah pen goes up goes down yeah um but you know they are that that is the brilliance of the black borrow yeah, is it a cheap borrow it's a cheap borrow you don't need to cling on to it and it's a uniformly great product whenever you get your hands on one it's it's very weird actually because we do get quite a lot of students coming in and saying you know i've lost a pen and they kind of look at them as if they're mad and then they go oh it's my you know i got this parker pen given to me for my graduation when i was 18 and it's very precious to me and it's like shouldn't have lost it then should you i mean really because that's not gonna and sometimes very rarely um the other one is pencil cases. Students who come in and say, I've lost my pencil case. And again, I kind of look at them and go, why do you have a pencil case in this day and age in particular? But um, So what's what's in this pencil right, case? I mean, so this is a very handsome one. It is, as you say, it's sparkly, black, sparkly. and satiny effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's actually just lots, largely lots of pens that are the same. There's some little bit of hair. <laughs> I think a sort of small... It's all hair, but hair, hair tie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Some of these pens come from 
institutions yeah. of various kinds. Name for you. This one's from Lugano. Mm-hmm. It says M-A dot I-N dot C-R-T dot. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and, um, and then there's also, somewhere in here, there's a bank, Banca della Marca, Credito Cooperativo. Were you thinking Italian then? We're thinking Italian. Yeah. This is definitely an Italian person. Rubber. Oh, so you don't get them anymore. You as really well. don't get. I was them. trying to find one the other day, actually, and I just couldn't. Oh, we, we don't even sell them in our shop anymore. It's like I remember when you used to go to um, uh, when you were a kid. Certainly, you used to go to uh, museums. The only thing you would buy were rubbers, smelly rubbers, and that were had a picture of the house on it, a Hatfield house in rubber form, which was very odd, but uh, or erasers, I suppose, as we should call them, because they weren't made of rubber and. No, and, and uh, oh, America, rubber is a different thing. Yes, Americans will get distressed. Yes, well, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> but I think I think it's it's about time we uh, we hear another thing from Darren um, and see if he uh, sings less and plays more bazooki. Uh, there's 13 tracks on the on the album. Any any pick number between one and 13? Let's go for eight. Go for eight. Uh, well, good bazooki anyway. Clara 
اطراب بریم آشگهلینه شراب بنیم مادم که من بیر انسانم آشگهلینه شراب بنیم مادم که من بیر انسانم I don't know what that one's called, um, but it's uh, it was certainly better than the first one we heard, um, mainly because he sang less. Um, you saying do you think you think there's a disparity between his image and uh, and the music that's coming out there? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was expecting something a little more. Mm, I don't know, maybe Lover Manish or something. Ah, right, okay, yeah, but, I can uh, see that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I like the as I say, I like the bazooki. That that works quite well. His voice is quite dull, but I. I I can certainly see maybe he had a bit of a uh, career in Eurovision for Turkey or something like that. Turkey, yeah. a Turkey in Eurovision? I'm sure they are. I think they must be. Yeah, of course they are. Yes, yes. Um, they, they're not in the EU yet, and no. If uh, France get their way, they never will be. But um, so anyway, now onto your books. You found that says so now we're, we're at the stage of time where, where students are losing a lot of books. So um, have you got something that's highly academic there, or um, it's it's an interesting looking little book. Um, it's as I said, it's quite little. It's sort of paperback size, but hardback. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it yeah looks smaller than it is. Um, it's got a rather sort of cheery cover um it's uh blue with lots of stars on it and then the title is in slanted slanted across sort of tilted across the across the middle and it's called movies and the moral adventure of life and right. it's by alan a stone I'm not aware of Mr. Stone's work, and I've got you know I've I've done some study in film in my time, and and, and you've certainly done seen a lot and, and written a lot about films in your time. I have, yeah, um, exactly. I've been paid at various points in my life to write about film. I also studied um, studied film as part of my MA. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've equally not not been aware of his work. Uh, so what, what's it like on the inside? I mean, I obviously haven't had time to read it all, but you get a sense of. Yeah, how it operates. It's it's basically a sort of um, s- slightly kind of oh, how to describe it. Um, it's a concise. Uh, there's certainly not a lot of words in it. Um, Actually, that said, the margins are huge. The margins are huge. <clears throat> it's it's so fifteen short essaylets, right? Um, about a movie each, and it's kind of it's looking for the lessons. For life that we can learn, right from the movies. So, give us an example there. A movie that it's talking about, and the lesson we may learn from that movie. Okay. Um, so, American Beauty. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the lesson I can learn from American Beauty, and it may well be never to watch American Beauty again. But I, I, th- I think that would also be my my view. But the uh, the chapter is titled usefully mm-hmm. Redemption. Okay. So we are going to learn that American Beauty is actually about redemption and that although some critics have described it as essentially black comic and a bit cynical and so on, um, American Beauty suggests, it concludes, that some other alchemy of human nature, something more than beauty itself, is needed to draw virtue from the flames. (sighs) I don't think that's in there for me. <laughs> well, so, so give us some of the other uh, chapter titles. I, I'm interested to see, have you seen all the films that it talks about? I haven't seen all. I've seen a fair number so, of well, them. What, 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 what are the 
I'm just trying to think what, what are the films and the lessons we will learn from okay. the contents page. Okay. Um, there's a chapter about the Adrian Lynn version of Lolita, which is <laughs> titled Selling, brackets out, right. close brackets, Nabokov. Um, the chapter about Schindler's List, disappointingly, is just called Hollywood and Holocaust. <laughs> I suppose it is that that is probably what it's about. It's probably what it's about. It it concludes, unsurprisingly, for this kind of book, that Schindler's List is a good thing. <laughs> um uh, en hiver is mm-hmm. believing in love. Yeah. Um The uh chapter about the Battle of Algiers is called Holy War. Again, there's war involved, or there's certainly struggle involved in the Battle of Algiers. Um, the chapter about the station agent, uh, which is a lovely film. Yeah, it's a terrific little film. Um, is called The Content of Our Character. Right. So it's not about dealing with short people. That's, that's not... <laughs> um, and the chapter on the Passion of the Christ, which, as far as I can tell, is the most critical of, of the films that are dealt with. Mm-hmm. But although suggesting that there's more filmic quality in the film than some people are willing to concede is called The End of Remorse. Right. And it tells us that we are falling into an age of fundamentalism is what we learn from The Passion of well, the Well, I think that's... that's Well, certainly um, Mel Gibson fell into an age of a <laughs> degree of fundamentalism afterwards, which he never quite redeemed with The Beaver. Um, I saw The Beaver yesterday. Finally wow. saw it on DVD. And, man, that's a terrible wow. film. Oh, it's very short, though, so you can watch it quickly. Uh, it still feels too long. And it's... Um, the bit where he cuts his hand off is good. Um, so now for the key question. This is the, the, the bit that I like to think that um, this uh, little flim-flam we've talked about suddenly gets deep and meaningful and, and much like that book finds something worthwhile in otherwise terrible films. Um, what is, uh, what's been lost to humanity that if it were found again would make the world a better place? Wow. You knew this was coming. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people in the past have given me very flippant answers like pow- uh, pints for less than £2. So, you know, it's can be as light or as heavy as you want. I prefer heavy. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm feeling suddenly intimidated there. Um, see, I'm... Because I'm, my, my thing is that I kind of... I tend not to think that things kind of are lost for good, mm. I guess, in that, in that sense, in the sort of cultural sense, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think we've lost for good the time that people tip their hats to each other. All oh, right. Yes. No. You know that kind of. I mean, it's just developed. We don't wear hats anymore. We but don't. Wear hopefully, hats. hopefully, our we're still thinking of a fellow man in the same sort of way. I mean, would, would you be a hat wearer? Um, you are I, a bit of a hat wearer. Aren't you? I You're am. A cap a, wearer, I, yeah. Yeah. I used to be a very firmly not a hat wearer. Mm. Um, and then I got to a point in life where I've, I'm somewhat lacking in hair. Somewhat. <laughs> um, where it just became absurd mm. not to wear a hat. So now I wear a flat cap yeah. in the winter, a sort of um, pull-down cap when it gets really cold, and in the summer I wear a sort of uh, Frank Sinatra-ish trilby, nice. essentially. So, so, so as, as you proved, the days of wearing hats certainly haven't been lost. No, but in certain circles. Um 
I think we've lost... I was going to say, because it's the second part of it, I think we've lost a lot of bad things. Mm. Um, but obviously... So well, okay, I can, I, can change, I can change the question to you. On, what have we lost that you're glad we've lost? I think, I think, yeah, I think what we've, in a sense, what we've lost, possibly to be serious, is is the idea that things on that scale can happen, that um, totalitarian regimes can happen with a sense of isolation. Mm. I think genuinely now. Awful, you know, we have awful regimes all over the world, but they don't happen with the people there having absolutely no clue that things are going on elsewhere. Mm. Um, which I think, you know, a certain, not <clears throat> of everyone. I mean, I, I again, I lived in Poland yeah. as a small child during communism, and obviously... A, what the people we talked to were well aware of what was going on outside, but I think quite a few people were genuinely fairly clueless. Mm. I think that degree of cluelessness kind of has gone. And it depends on the amount of information people are getting, and there are parts of the world still where there isn't. The information flow is heavily controlled. Um, I mean, I, I, I was in China last year, and I found it very interesting. The um, I mean, I, I didn't meet any of these Chinese, but the what I was talking to from Chinese nationals who are living in Shanghai, talking about their families living in the countryside, that actually the only form of information they get was the state-run media. There wasn't any other form, apart from, obviously, the latest blockbuster film and DVD, which was being sold down the shop. But beyond that, they weren't getting anything else. Um, but I think you're probably still right. I think that that's, that, that trickle-down is still there now because they've got the family there, so they've got to talk to those members of family elsewhere. So... Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's not, you know, it's not like whole countries used to be clear. I, I think yeah. that would be overplaying it, you know. But I, I, hopefully there's that the bit which where the information spreads is just that little bit, for, that crucial little bit further than mm. it once was. I mean, I think that's interesting work because it kind of feeds back to your very first answer in as much as, you know, the, the important thing for the guy in Cuba was for people to have a nuanced view of Cuba, uh, a different view of Cuba to the one he believed they had. And since he probably believed what the world thought of Cuba was what the US say about Cuba, which, let's be fair, probably was what most people thought of Cuba, because um, it do have a big stranglehold on much world media, it was important for him to sort of say, actually, Cuba, our communism or whatever is about being friendly, is about being, you know, civic-minded and, you know, implicit, I guess, in his... In his saying of tell me tell the world about this is that this wouldn't happen in america or this wouldn't happen in europe um, whether that's right or not is a different matter but yeah it's quite interesting um i, I think um i mean this 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 is going to be a, a podcast and this could be listened to as long as you've got a uh, internet connection anywhere in the world so um i again doubt it will be listened to that widely <laughs> but you know if, if if in 200 years time this is the only piece of media left um First of all, uh, this isn't very representative of, of modern culture, but also, yeah, hopefully we're, we're sort of saying that the, that what we've lost is um, a simple lack of clo or closed-mindedness about human nature and about the world. Um, but I don't think we've completely got rid of uh, totalitarianism and so no, on. No, absolutely not. But um, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Well, uh, on that on that bombshell, um, which is always the way you should end these things, I believe. Um, I think we can go for the last track um, from uh, Derin. Um, this is the remix of uh, the title track, I think. So it could be even more 
uh, dance beats in there. Uh, thank you, Camille. You haven't lost anything on the way here or on the way out. If it does, I'm sure I'll get it back to you. Um, and thank I don't you, think so. Thank you very much for coming along. Oh, thank you. Okay. Such in your 